And a very good morning to you if you've just joined us. A uh, time to cross to uh, Mexico and our friend uh, John Bonfilio there who will bring us up to date with what's going on uh, in Latin America. Uh, John, a very good evening to you. Good evening, Martin. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. Yourself? Yep, not too bad, not too bad. Good, good. What's your uh, COVID situation <laughs> there? You're still locked down? No, the COVID situation in the state that I'm in is we're on the traffic light system and um, we're on, on green. We're the first state to have gone green. Numbers are, are very thin on the ground at the moment. It's not the case across the rest of Mexico. Um, so there is a kind of a reopening of, of things here at the moment. It, it definitely doesn't feel like it did before this whole thing started, but there is kind of economic movement and people going out and and being on the streets. And in fact, I don't know, it, it, our, this broadcast, this call may be interrupted by the sound of chainsaws and screaming children, which is a sign <laughs> of <laughs> of, uh, of the new normal, because the house next door to mine has a, um, a Halloween-themed event taking place, which started a couple of days ago. And, um, and it's full of people, remarkably. Oh, so yeah, if, you hear, if, if you hear strange sounds, it's not uh, it's not coming from my house. <laughs> yeah, I well, promise. Okay, no, no problem. I mean, you always like to take a chainsaw to a party because uh, you never, you never. <laughs> you know what? The thing is, the, the thing is, we started hearing they started doing rehearsals for this like three weeks ago, and it was really strange because they just kept playing really loudly on Sunday afternoons the War of the Worlds um, radio announcement broadcast with you know saying that the end of the world mm. was nigh, etc. And my, my kids well. had never heard anything like that before. So, you know, in terms of their own personal mental health, these are tricky <laughs> times anyway, <laughs> without, you know, this parallel universe being set up next door. How bizarre. How bizarre. Well, um, uh, somebody who's, uh, or some a country that's definitely not green is uh, China. Um, and the uh, story I saw this week, uh, the Galapagos uh, Islands, uh, which we talked about before, the Galapagos Islands, uh, one of the world's most important marine reserves, says that China is there pillaging, pillaging all the uh, vital food supplies on an industrial scale, like 300 vessels there, um, part of China's uh, distribution water fishing fleet, uh, including refueling yeah, yeah. vessels and goodness knows what. Uh, tell me about that. It is, and the really interesting thing about this is, as you say, we spoke about it probably a couple of months ago, and these vessels have basically been hovering in that area since then, as you say, 300-odd vessels. Um, and, and the thing about the, this, this fishing industry, if you like, is it's not, um, it's not a, a, a one vessel going out fishing or five vessels. They're massive fleets that go out in their hundreds into these areas and then they switch their tracking systems on and off. They shift cargo between them. They refuel at sea. There's processing and huge processing and refrigeration vessels that are out there. So, so the, the actual fishing, fishing vessels can stay out at sea for years at a time with, with new crew joining in and, and so on. And they just ship the, the fish back. And the amounts of fish that they, um, that they managed to catch are, is absolutely, uh, huge. And in, they, they, they patrol this particular corridor between the Galapagos and South America, which is essentially a thoroughfare for huge amounts of marine life from the mainland or, you know, offshore mainland through to the Galapagos. And though technically they're not doing anything illegal in the sense that they're not impinging on the marine protected environment in the Galapagos, they're just offshore, but they, they basically just sit off the off the protected area and then harvest these thousands of tons of in particular giant squid 
that come through between the two and then and ship, ship them off to, to China. And one stat which really caught my eye is the fact that the, the size of the Chinese fleets have quadrupled over the last 10 years in, in that area. Wow. I mean, you've got personal experience of this as well, haven't you? Yeah, um, probably about 10 years ago now, I guess, how time flies. Um, I was on a um, on a journey in the middle of the eastern pacific and you know one of those places where you, you see on the radar that there's you know there's nothing anywhere around why would there be you, you know in the middle of the ocean we're on a small vessel and then we're coming up to this to this island sometimes on radars you um you different objects shield other objects so as we got closer it became clear that we weren't alone again in the middle of the ocean and there were 13 huge vessels just in the lee of this of this island there was nothing we could do we arrived at night so we anchored off and then in the morning went round to the other side and uh, yeah there were some of the biggest vessels i'd ever seen that were basically hoovering up fishing what was technically a protected area but there was nobody there to police it and what was what was really remarkable for me two things about um you know what i witnessed have going on to these vessels and so on was that um, on the one hand you know these vessels technically don't fish turtles sharks dolphins etc but they really do i mean there's no way you know, that, that they can get into the nets and, and fish them out. And actually, they don't then land those on land because that's illegal. They then just use them as bait for, for, for other fish, for other fishes before that they, um, they go back to land. But the second thing is that each of these vessels had a helicopter and their, their modus operandi for fishing was to take dynamite into the helicopter, find a shoal, you know, a massive shoal of fish, drop dynamite on the other side of the shoal of fish, which would then come back into into the nets and they would sweep them sweep them up i mean untold damage in terms of what was what was taking place and these vessels were out there again for months at a time before before going back um to land and, and we traced the um the in particular the tuna that was being fished for these vessels and it all goes back to companies that said um you know long line fishing um dolphin dolphin friendly yeah. tuna um, i mean how do you police how do you police the ends of the earth it's impossible yeah, I, I think most of us, when we see dolphin friendly and uh, you know all that, uh, we think, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I don't think anybody takes it as gospel. Um, I, I can hear the noise in yeah. the background, there. Um, <laughs> which is nice. It gives us a bit of, oh, you know, because it's it's very we still quiet. Have a week here. to Halloween as well. Uh, yeah, I know. Go on, but, this is not going to be good for family life at all. Oh dear. How old are your children, John? They're young. So yeah, explaining mm. to them why there are. Uh, horrendous sounds of screaming dying children next door isn't really sitting well with them at the moment. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Uh, let, Rational about, thought hasn't entered, <laughs> hasn't entered their brains yet. No. Um, let's talk about the election in Bolivia, where the uh, the left-wing party there, led by Evo Morales, um, had a, a fantastic victory. Um, are we, to, when you say left-wing, are we talking like Hugo Chavez, Maduro, that sort of left wing i mean i guess to some extent it's it's not i wouldn't put it as as kind of state-sponsored um leftist socialist if you like i mean they're definitely i mean it is the, the name of the party is is mass movimiento a socialismo movement to socialism so you know they, they do say that they are but it's definitely not i guess as regimented as that more than anything i think the the um evo morales is uh, mass party and now Luis Arce's mass party that's won this overwhelming election 
in Bolivia is about bringing up the, the weakest members of society. And, uh, and actually what's really amazing about this particular election result is they always had the support of the indigenous majority in Bolivia. But actually, amazingly, um, Evo Morales's eviction or departure from, from Bolivia actually means that they've actually managed to capture the center ground as well. I mean, if you compare these election results to the ones that Evo Morales, you know, only just kind of partially won, um, about a year ago before the, before the coup, the figures are completely different. I mean, Luis Arce, the, you know, the, the incumbent president to be 55.1% as opposed to the center right candidate at just under 30% with record voter turnout of 88.4%, which has never been seen before in Bolivia. I mean, everybody wanted the party to return. And actually, I think what's really interesting is that maybe the big question now in Bolivia isn't, um, you know, isn't who's ruling or who's taking charge. It's, it's whose government are we likely to see? Is it, is Luis Arce, let's say the incumbent, going to be able to take things forward by himself because he clearly has a mandate to? Or is the specter of Evo Morales, who's in exile in Argentina, going to hover over, um, over the, 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 uh, the, the government to be? But certainly, I mean, everybody expected Mass to win and to come back to power. Uh, but the, the figures have left no room for doubt of the overwhelming mandate that the that the party and this uh, uh, the party has. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see uh, you know how all that plays out. Um, just finally, we've been looking at uh, Latin American sporting heroes, and we've been very male so far. People like Maradona and Pele, they are real macho macho men. We refer to Pele's adverts on British TV. Um, it's his birthday so, today. <laughs> he's eighty years old, isn't he, Pele? Today, yeah, happy absolutely. Birthday. Happy birthday to uh, what's the full what's his full Brazilian? Alan, oh. he's got a big long name and I can't remember what it is. But happy birthday to uh, Pen <laughs> is what we all know about. Um, but you've kindly uh, you've kindly sort of diverted, so we're not quite as male this week. In fact, we're not male at all because uh, it's uh, a female footballer we're uh, celebrating. Yeah, and uh, one who is widely regarded as the greatest female player of all time. Her full name, which is not nearly as complicated as Pele's full name, is Marta Vieira da Silva. But she's basically known as Marta, you know, across the across the Latin American world and certainly in in Brazil. And although hasn't really won any major honours with with her, you know, with her native country, um, an incredibly illustrious career, first footballer of either gender uh, to score in five uh, World Cups, voted FIFA Player of the Year six times, record 17 goals. Um, at, at World Cup finals, um, and really regarded as, as a, a, I guess one of the, you know, the icons of women's sports in in Latin America, and most girls and even some boys who who play soccer out, you know, on the maybe not the school pitch at the moment because of what's taking place, but you know, in the in the kickabout, we'll we'll all know who who Marta is, and and a lot of them will absolutely regard her as as a role model. In fact, at the at the FIFA Women's FIFA World Cup in in 2019. She did what's now become a, a famous interview where she cried um, in terms of what, uh, responding to a question about her being a role model um, and urged young girls to follow in hers and, and other female footballers' footsteps and said, you know, was it trying to express how um, hard work was necessary and said to them uh, face to camera that you need to cry at the beginning so you can smile at the end. The other interesting note about women's football in Brazil at the moment is it's one of the first federations to announce equal pay for women and men's national football teams. 
Right. Uh, the full name of Pele is uh, Edson Arantes do Nascimento. I can't, I can't vouch the pronunciation, but that's what it, what it says here. So, um, yeah. Uh, that's very yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's because I'm reading 100 <laughs> Years of Solitude, you see. I'm getting used to this. What page are you on? What page are you on now? 132. I've not read much this mm. week, I'm afraid. I've been a bit busy. Mm. Um, but it, it is a hard book to put, because I occasionally have to do stuff and you have to go a day or two days without reading it. It's a hard book to put down and pick up again, I find. Yeah. Yeah. Although there is always lots of things happening. So um, I, I think I might have more time to read it this week with a bit of luck. Um, excellent. Thanks uh, ever so much. Uh, we'll talk no again next, next week, if that's okay. If, if I make it through the week. If you make it through <laughs> the week, yeah. Absolutely. John, thanks ever so much. John Bonfilio there joining us from um, Mexico, from 